0: church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring uplifting and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dennis Hall, and I'm delighted that you're listening to this podcast today. We live in a very strange time. It seems like all around us, we're seeing protest, civil disobedience uh, of all types. It seems to have intensified over the last uh, two or three years. Perhaps it's always been going on in one way or another, but it sure seems to be a part of our our life today. And it raises some very interesting questions, I think, for people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. Christians, what are the questions? And we're going to talk about that for a little while this morning. And, uh, you know, we're right now, as, as this podcast is occurring, we've got people who are Protesting outside the residences of Supreme Court justices. You know, in the state of Florida, they recently passed a law in the state of Florida that prohibits protest at private residences for all of the reasons we can think of. The way it terrorizes spouses and children and other things, and it just raises lots of interesting questions. Uh, we could talk, and we will talk some about some of the protests that have occurred over the last two or three years and, and the implications, I think, for those who profess to be uh, uh, believers, believers in God, followers of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I was in a small town in North Carolina, and there was a Black Lives Matter protest occurring right on the main street in that little town. And uh, I had a youngster with me, and, uh, and we noticed that there were a couple of uh, prominent, well-known ministers sitting there side by side with the protesters. And as vehicles would go by with uh, uh, Trump bumper stickers on or anything that indicated they were a supporter of Trump, uh, these protesters, not the ministers, but these protesters, would yell obscenities at them, curse them, make obscene gestures, and but sitting right next to them were these ministers. And I thought to myself, this must be having an impact on young people in this town who were observing this. They would either become confused or they would lose respect for ministers that would allow themselves to be caught up in that kind of a, of a protest. You know, uh, uh, the January 6th protest in Washington, I'm sure, included many professed Christians who, in my opinion, had to know that, at the very least, they were trespassing on federal property, And again, it raises the question of those who knew these people as professed Christians, what impact did that have on their witness? You know, uh, Romans 13 has a lot to say about this. And it's it's sort of a, a guidebook, I think, for Christians when it comes to issues like this about when and where to protest and when to be a part of any kind of civil disobedience. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote Romans 13, and it was written during the reign of Nero, Claudius, Caesar Augustus, uh, Germanicus, who was the Roman emperor, better known as Nero. And Nero became emperor in 54 AD at the age of uh, 16. and he had a reputation for ruthless behavior reportedly murdering some of the immediate his immediate household including his mother and a wife the great fire of rome began on july 18th ad 64 and over a 7 day period destroyed a large portion of rome many believe that nero set this fire and thus the popular fable that we've all heard about, Nero fiddling while Rome burned. However, Nero accused Christians of starting the fire. And many Christians were arrested and brutally executed by being thrown into the lion's den or crucified or being burned alive. It was a horrible time. But it was in this climate that the Apostle Paul wrote Romans 13. Let's read it. Let's take a moment and just read what Romans 13 says. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, But if you do wrong be afraid for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason they are god's servants agents of wrath who bring punishment on the wrongdoers therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment but because also as a matter of conscience these were Paul the apostle Paul's words And then Peter, he writes something very similar over in 1 Peter 2. Uh, he, He wrote, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk "...of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor." So we have some very direct scriptural instruction regarding submitting to the existing authorities. All around our country, uh, especially over the last couple of years, we've seen all kinds of examples of protest and civil disobedience. Many of our cities, at least large portions of them, were burned by the Black Lives Matter and Antifa movements, uh, clearly significant property destruction. And likewise, in Washington, on the January 6th, uh, protest, There was significant property uh, uh, destruction that occurred. You know, we've also seen uh, uh, the government impose fines on bakers and florists and photographers who declined to lend their talents for same-sex weddings. Another form of of protest. So. Protests are occurring all around us, and many Christians are involved in these protests and, and these forms of civil disobedience. Now, if you hold an anarchist view, you believe that a person can choose to disobey the government whenever they like, frankly, however they like, whenever they feel they're personally justified in doing so. Well, we just read Romans 13 And it pretty much shows that there is no biblical support for this kind of view. On the other hand, you know, if you hold an extreme patriotic view, you probably believe that a person should always follow and obey his country, no matter what the command. Now, I've got to tell you that this view also does not have biblical support. The scripture is teaching biblical submission. That is, a Christian should be allowed to act in protest and civil disobedience to the government if that government is commanding that evil be done such that it would require a Christian to act in a manner that's contrary to clear teachings and requirements of God's Word. (laughs) You know, throughout the Scripture, we see many examples of civil disobedience. Uh, So, in fact, the Scripture itself uh, is teaching us biblical biblical submission. You know, in, in Acts 4, we see Peter and John being commanded not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. They responded that they cannot help speaking about what they've seen and heard. Very early in the Bible, in Exodus 1, uh, we see civil disobedience. The king of Egypt asked the Hebrew midwives to kill all the male babies. They lied to the king, explaining that women are having their babies before the midwives arrived. And over in Joshua 2, we find the story of the prostitute Rahab uh, who disobeys a direct order from the king in her effort to protect Hebrew uh, spies. And then over in 1 Kings 18, uh, we see uh, the story of Queen Jezebel who was killing God's prophets and a man named Obadiah took 100 of them and hid them from her so that they could live. Another example of clear defiance of the ruling authorities' uh, directives. You know, there are several examples of civil disobedience in the book of Daniel. In chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the golden idol in disobedience to King Nebuchadnezzar's command. Then in chapter 6, Daniel defies the king's uh, decree to not pray to anyone other than the king. Well, in both cases, God rescued his people from the death penalty, signaling his obvious approval of the actions that they undertook. In our country, the United States um, really grew out of protest. Uh, One could argue that this country was launched by a protest that we call the Boston Tea Party. And then the whole Protestant denomination, the Protestant Reformation, is clearly one of the most famous protests in world history. Martin Luther's courage and conviction led to the recognition of the errors and abuses of the Roman Catholic Church. It led to his famously defiant declaration before the Holy Roman Emperor, here I stand, I can do no other. One of the greatest protests that ever occurred. And then, you know, closer to our time, it was a group of theologians led by Karl Barth that laid the theological foundations for resisting Hitler's decrees in Germany the famous theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed for his opposition to Hitler only days before the Third Reich collapsed. So we see protests and civil disobedience against authorities playing a role in Christianity in history. The civil rights movement of the 1960s led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a protest. It was a protest against unjust discriminatory laws. Writing from the Birmingham jail, Dr. King argued that an unjust law is no law at all. He offered that an individual who breaks the law that his conscience tells him is unjust and willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its injustice is really expressing the highest respect for the law. Yes, Christians protest. But why? It was said by Benjamin Wayman, we, we, uh, we Christians protest people and presidents who disparage the image of God and other human beings. We protest policies and practices that fall short of the love of neighbors. We protest systems and patterns that privilege some and exploit others. And we Christians protest the politics of the world that killed the author of life, Jesus, and is dead set on killing his disciples. Now, obviously, deliberate law-breaking should never be undertaken casually. Christians understand that society is dependent on the rule of law. We need prudent laws to protect our common goods and ensure fair treatment for all individuals in all communities. You know, it's, it's really the danger um, is that protest and civil disobedience uh, can go off the rails. Why? Because abuse of power is frequently the underlying spark that ignites the flames of protest. Therefore, it's so easy for passionate people to be swept up in a uh, a mob mentality before they know it and find themselves in the midst of a very questionable cause. It's for these reasons that Christians have got to be very careful when it comes to protesting authorities. We can't, but on the other hand, We really can't allow uh, a sort of misplaced desire to be seen as tolerant be the cause to abandon boldly proclaiming Christ's sovereignty over all aspects of life. When our leaders and rulers ignore their biblical mandate, believers need to take dramatic steps to awaken consciousness and agitate for change. Really, isn't, isn't Christianity, isn't Christianity and the witness of Christianity a form of protest in face of the world's death-dealing ways? You know, no matter how patriotic we are as Christians of, uh, I mean, how patriotic we are uh, in relation to our country, We're citizens of God's kingdom first and foremost. Our faith does not align us with any political party, Republican, Democrat, or other. Politics, the things we get involved in, uh, in our secular life, politics only displays how we choose to live together in our society. We're citizens of a higher kingdom. You know, the politics of the kingdom of God is that we're commanded to live with our neighbors in love, to pray for our enemies, to bless those who persecute us. These ideas and concepts, it makes no sense to a secular society. Um, People who are not part of Christianity can't understand and appreciate this kind of commitment and this kind of command from our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, every decision we make as Christians should support God's call for us to be about the business of making disciples and glorifying God. So uh, whether we're considering a job offer or a, uh, a new relationship or participating in a protest or civil uh, disobedience, our first priority has always got to be these two aims, making disciples and glorifying God. It's very easy to get caught up in earthly concerns. But if, our, if our criteria is to make disciples and glorify God, We'll make the right decisions about protest and civil disobedience. We cannot allow our participation in these things to tarnish our Christian testimony. That would certainly be displeasing to God. I came across some some cautions on an Internet posting suggesting these are the things that should be on, on Christians' minds on the minds of those who are interested in following Jesus Christ, on the minds of those who believe in God, when it comes to protest and civil disobedience. The first question should be, is this a worthy cause? Is this a worthy cause? Um, you know, many are now looking back at the whole Black Lives movement movement um, protest and asking serious questions about that organization and what the goals of that organization were and what happened to the money that was given to that organization. And so those Christians and ministers who aligned themselves very early on with this movement, you know, they they may have some second thoughts. And then right along with that, right up front, We ought to be asking, is this something that Jesus would support? Would he support this cause? Is this something he would get involved in? It's an important question. You know, if you conclude that no, Jesus would not be joining with people who are destroying property or joining with people who are shouting obscenities, then perhaps that's not the protests that you want to be involved in. And then, of course, the question is, are you violating any legitimate laws? Are you are you violating any legitimate laws? It's being suggested right now that the protests around the Supreme Court justices' residence are violations of federal law. That's not... I don't think Christians should be involved in in uh, the violation of legitimate laws and then the question is what's the real motive behind this protest what's the real motive behind this protest you know is is the protest simply an effort to create anarchy or is it an effort to try to bring down our government and then what message would your involvement send to people outside this protest? People that are looking at the protest from the outside, what are they going to think about your Christian witness if you're involved in this protest? You know, are you just being used as a pawn in a hidden agenda that you would not otherwise support? That has happened many times through the years in protest. And is the protest just being used as an excuse for violence, destruction, and other forms of evil? You know, we see these things going on, uh, especially in some of the major metropolitan areas where there seems to be a lot of uh, destruction and violence associated with protest. And even, uh, even as this is happening in a startling kind of way, we sometimes hear... Leaders trying to justify, uh, political leaders trying to justify the violence and the destruction as though this is just part of the American way of life. And then one of the fundamental questions, really, is this the best way to further the message that you want to proclaim? Sometimes I see people get involved in protests and civil disobedience, and uh, and then I ask the question, well, what have you done up to now about this problem? How have you spoken out previously about this problem? Or is this just something that you're now caught up in? And then, of course, what do you expect the result of the, pro- uh, of the protest to be? Do you expect it? accomplish anything, or in many cases, it, be, it could be totally counterproductive, result in the very opposite thing that you thought it would accomplish. And then the question becomes, I think, for Christians, how will I treat those who don't join me in this protest and um, have a different view? You know, how will will I engage with people going forward? You know, it's it's a very, very, uh, I think, uh, sensitive thing, I think, for someone, given what we're told in Romans 13, to get involved in a protest and civil disobedience. Sometimes there is a time and a place. You know, on the whole, I would say, no, uh, Christians should not be involved in these things except when we're being asked by our government to do something that violates our faith. You know, uh, as we close this pro- uh, podcast, I want to remind you that the scripture commands us to pray for our leaders and for God to intervene in his time to change any ungodly path that they are pursuing. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, he said, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayer, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all in authority, that that we may live peacefully and quietly in godliness and holiness. You know, if you're searching for God today, this might be the day for you to join the greatest protest of all, Christianity. May God bless you.